All right, welcome to Speak Your Peace podcast. My name is Ian McNaughton, Big E here. Uh, we're going to be doing a, a football podcast. We're, this time, we're pleased to be joined by a friend of the pod. Uh, we've golfed before. Uh, Hayden Barton. Hayden, what's uh, what's happening, man? Oh, nothing much, man. Nothing much. Just a nice Tuesday night. No, nice victory Tuesday, so to say. <laughs> victory tuesday uh for those who don't know hate is a saints fan i'm a seahawks fan uh we're recording this the day after the saints beat the seahawks on monday night football i was there in person hayden unfortunately wasn't because you know restrictions and covid, COVID. and uh i'm still recovering from uh last night and my full trip down so uh was not great i mean watching the seahawks offense that that stunk but, you know, Hayden, what were your thoughts on the, the Seahawks and the Saints on Monday Night Football? Man, it, was a, it wasn't a high-flying affair. We'll say that. And, you know, like you said, we haven't learned anything new about the Saints. And I think we're kind of starting to see some identity of the Seahawks without Russ. You know, first home game that he hasn't started since the year 2011. That was a stat brought up last night on ESPN. Uh, so, yeah, no, it's it's sad to see with Seattle, but you know who the heart and soul of that team is right there. Uh, fun fact, the Seahawks are 0-3 at home this year. Yeah, that's, that's really shocking. Do you know Tom Brady uh, has more wins at Gillette Stadium than the Patriots do this year? <laughs> another home team sure there but you know we're really sidebarring here but like isn't that like ben roethlisberger who has more like wins at cleveland stadium than any quarterback for this browns franchise yes that is very correct that's uh that's a tough stat if you're a browns fan um Yesterday was just a great day for myself being in person. I got to go check out the Seattle Kraken practice facility at Northgate. Uh, took the train in, got to experience Touchdown City, uh, their pregame place, whatever. And, you know, I got to pretty much stand the entire time for three hours watching the Seahawks run it into the Saints loaded box of five, six, seven, eight guys um, continuously. And, you know, it's it sucks. It really sucks being uh, two and five going back to the uh, the Jim Mora days for Seattle. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's so shitty because uh, you know Seattle's better than two and five. You know, it's like you just need a more experienced quarterback. And Gino's last play was in like 2018. So what are you supposed to do? And he flamed out by then. Oh, 100 percent. He was flamed out by the time he was with the Giants. Um. Did you have any big take watching this game on TV? Did you have any big takeaways from this game? Like, was there something that really stood out to you about the Saints win? Their defense is fucking elite. <laughs> That's yeah. that is like the biggest thing, you know. Excuse my profanity there, but oh no, you can you swear know. all you want on this podcast. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just crazy seeing, you know how quickly Seattle got away from the run game. And I think that's what hurt them. You know, like Alex Collins, you know, where did he go for the night? It was like the first quarter when they actually, you know, did something with a DK on that one pass. And then, you know, second half, boom, rain came in. Didn't matter. We're still going to throw the ball, which was, which is weird because I feel like Russ always is the perfect man to pass the ball. But yet when he's in, it's always run the ball. Yeah, you know, and Collins is is a very very good runner in very my opinion. Very shifty. Yeah, second second best forty one on the field, but you know. <laughs> and I'll, I'll thing, give you that one. I'll give you that one. Yeah, and and the other thing, it's like one that we already know. You know, Alvin Kamara, you know, top two running back right now in the league next to Derrick Henry. You know, the best ability is availability, and Henry and Kamara have both shown that. Where you know, CMC and Dalvin Cook, you know, number one and number two in fantasy this year for most leagues haven't been healthy. And it's like that that's Cook's entire NFL career, really. I, I think it's his health. 
CMC, I think it's it's more been like I, I feel like it's been like the last two years. And I'm saying that because I had Christian McCaffrey in one of my leagues last year. And so like he was useless. But yep. I mean, no, Kamara's just really good. And he just like he said see in person just how good of a route runner he is. Like oh, yeah. just coming out of the backfield and play action, and he still, you know, finds the hole. He slips through. He still can make a catch. He can still make plays upfield. It's phenomenal to watch. Oh yeah, no, it's uh, I'm I'm really envious of you right now. You know, I'm I was so looking forward to going last night, and it was just you know mark that day in the calendar. You know, I even told my boss I was like, yeah, October twenty fifth and twenty sixth. Don't expect me in. All right. <laughs> I'm not going to be here, all right? I won't be here. I won't see you Monday. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. No, I, as soon as, you know, you gave me the chance to buy those tickets, I was on that. And I was like, right now. (laughs) But, eh, what are you going to do? At least, at least we got to kind of see a good defensive game for the most part, I think. Well, I was texting with Jevin before the game. Because we were, he was thinking like, yeah, do I want to bet this game? Who do you think I should pick? And obviously, I'm telling him like Seahawks. Oh yes, Seahawks. Seahawks, obviously. That they like that's who you're picking, right? He's like, yeah, I don't know, you know, kind of broke and all this sort of like jibber jabber, but why he can't? And I said, at least bet the under. Like if that's like a safe. Oh, hundred percent. At least bet the under. Like that's the safe play for you. Mm -hmm. It's like this game's going to really suck then if I have to root for the under. It's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be wet. It's Geno yep. Smith. And it's Jameis Winston. You and know, Jam- I know, I know Winston didn't throw a pick and, you know, he didn't really cause a lot of turnovers, Ooh. but, you know, coming off of the bye with, you know, an, another receiver and still not a full, uh, fully healthy offense, you know, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely yeah. ridiculous. And now, Andres Pete, our left guard, might be out for the year because of a torn pack. So an, an, another guy. Yeah, another ever. injury, you know. And it's like uh, this week we missed Michael Thomas, obviously, and Deontay Harris and Taysom Hill. All f- like three big factors, especially this year. You know, obviously not really Michael Thomas, but now uh, the Saints offensive line, it it's only been healthy for four plays. In uh, and that was in week one, and minus this last night. But I, I'm, uh, I, I was gonna say, not seeing Taysom Hill in person, little bit disappointing. Not oh, gonna lie. yeah, was really, no, I can to, totally see that. <laughs> was really hoping to see Taysom Hill, even if he just like has like a, a power to the right that gets stuffed for two yards. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'd like to see that. That's just like, you know, be the guy who says, I got to see Taysom Hill in person, that would have been really special for me. Oh, yeah. Oh, that guy's a freak of nature. Um, so good. So I guess the other question I have from this game is where does where does each team go from here? Because the Seahawks are two and five. Actually, they have the second worst, uh, their second second to the last in the NFC, according to ESPN standings. Yeah, that means Detroit's in last, right? Yep. Adju- yeah. Two games ahead of Detroit. That's Damn, that fucking sucks. <laughs> it's not not great. And not ideal. Saints are four and three. I think I saw it's four and two. Uh, four and two. They and are. Two. I think after this week, they're still sixth. If it was uh in the NFC for the playoff picture. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we'll start with Seattle, obviously. But you know, Seattle's not a losing mentality. They're still going to try and fight for an eight hundred season or more obviously with 17 games and you know russ is like one of the toughest quarterbacks ever i could easily see him making a return and either uh, somehow magically this week or net next week i think i, I think timeline... I, I think the plan is for gino to play this upcoming weekend against the jags then they have the bye and then russ comes after that Okay. Yeah. See then. Yeah. That would be super smart because then you don't have a a game to play in week nine. So week 10 is definitely the most ideal, especially with Jacksonville, but with his toughness, I could even, uh, if he wanted to, I still think he could play next week because he's just that tough. And 
that's going to be the trick. You know, if you get that game heading into the bye and you win, it's only going to boost everyone's confidence a little bit more because then you're three and five, you know, and then you go in in week 10. I'm not sure who Seattle plays week 10, but it must be, it must be like a fire under Russ's ass if he's starting, you know? So I say they shoot for 800 or more. Uh, the uh, the Seahawks the Seahawks are at Green Bay on November fourteenth. Oh, I'd love to see Seattle crush the shit out of Green Bay, dude. It would be great. I listen. I just leaving that game last night. I I got the feeling of this offense isn't working, and I I, I know that Geno is starting and Russell Wilson is not starting. I still got the feeling like this offense isn't working. It's not clicking. We're kind of getting to the point of Pete's end in Seattle. Like I think for some teams, like if you're thinking about like, uh, we might have to make a coaching change, then you probably should make a coaching change. Like if the thought of like, you might have to, then you probably should. And that's kind of where I'm going with it. The issue I have is that all the players seem to really love Pete. Like, yeah. they, like they really speak highly of him. They talk about how great, you know, meetings are with him, how well he coaches, the positivity he brings to the locker room, which that can't go unstated. But in terms of actually like running plays and calling plays, utilizing players, clock management, that was another thing that was a real piss off in the second half last night about how for both teams, for, for both teams, clock management was just awful. Yeah, it was not great. No. And and fortunately, Pete didn't, you know, randomly use a challenge on like a third and two like play that was clearly a first down. But Mm -hmm. there's kind of like there's kind of like a short term, like how the rest of this season will look and how the future of this team looks, because I think that's kind of the internal conflict that they're having is what do we want to look like after this year if Russell Wilson is not the quarterback for this year? By the way, there were Russell Wilson jerseys on the clearance rack at the Seahawks Pro Shop. You're fucking joking. I am not. Now that is a shocker. I know there was like this whole shabacle in the offseason, but no, that's brutal. How are you going to put Russ on the clearance rack, man? That's that's insane. So that that's what kind of leads me to think that this might be the last year that Russ is in Seattle. But I think it would just be good for if they could somehow for the rest of this season, find a way, like you say, beat the Jags, have a bye week, get Russ back healthy, and then go on a bit of a run to just sneak kind of like Chicago Bears style last year of just sneaking into the playoffs. You probably don't deserve to be there, but you're in anyways. Yep. And maybe have some dignity dignity and lose. Hopefully not to the Cowboys, but someone like the, the, <laughs> maybe to the Packers. You lose to the Packers in the first round, like a team that you're clearly worse than, and you have no business beating them in Lambeau. And then maybe yeah. in the offseason, you can just go your separate ways, call it good, have a clean slate. But that's it's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be interesting to see if that's actually the route they take. Because if it were me, how do you split up, you know? Pete and Russ without one retiring, you know, like the same way it was with Drew and Sean, you know, although they were still firing on all cylinders, you know, it was still a well-coached team without Drew. Like the fact that the saints for the the two years before were eight and one without breeze, that's all coaching, you know, that's all play calling. And maybe, maybe Pete needs to give up play calling. Maybe he needs to actually let the offensive coordinator do his job. I don't know, but it was just, it was frustrating. And of course, you know, how football and especially when you go to a game and when you're leaving, you know, you have this kind of recency bias that can make it a little bit difficult. But uh, I think the Saints are on a really good track. I really like what they're doing there. I didn't learn anything new about them last night. I thought they're, they're still one of the best coach teams in the league. Uh, James Winston was really smart with the ball. He knew when to take chances. Uh, he knew when to tuck it and run too. Like he, he yeah. had a couple of good runs last night where he's like, I know what the coverage is and none of these guys are open. So I'll go for it myself, which I thought was pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, 
not a lot else to say about the Saints and the Seahawks. Yeah, you you really don't have a choice except to play now and like the win now because exactly you no, don't have your draft pick and so yeah no Seattle's in a tough position and you know if we're gonna talk about New Orleans' future if uh, if they play good against Tampa Bay I'm happy you know I just don't want to see Tampa Bay come in to New Orleans on Halloween night in the dome and steamroll them I don't want to see that. I just want to see a good fought game and you know, look at this way, Jameis revenge game. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, this, this has like, for me, this has like the feelings of like 31, 26 saints. Like I just really? feel like a, like a really close, like tight game. Um, you know, although Tampa Bay won in the NFC championship game or not the championship NFC division, yeah, game, the divisional, yeah. Divisional game. The Saints still won both regular season games with the Buccaneers by pretty dominating fashions. The second one definitely being 38 to three. And the first one was like, I think it was like 35, 24. It was, like, it, it was like a two, it was a two possession game that like the yeah. defense just really pressured Brady and they really couldn't get anything. And that was the first week of like, yeah. that was Brady's first, first game. Yeah, week one. Yeah. So oh, exactly. I and I mean, I don't know if Winston is the long-term starter, but he definitely has like better than Cam Newton with the Patriot last year vibes. Like if that makes sense. Like well, but, I'm gonna tell you a stat though. Uh yeah. through I think the same amount of games. Uh, who would you say in their first? I think it was like first six stretch of games with the Saints. Who had more picks, Drew Brees or Jameis Winston? I'll give you the quick answer. It was Drew Brees. Drew Brees yeah. had thrown two more picks. Drew Brees also had more yards, and I think the touchdowns were very similar. I think they both had twelve or or thirteen, somewhere around there. But statistically i hate the the same way jev hates the fact of like everyone's out on these first year rookie quarterbacks give some love to the first year uh rookie quarterbacks who went into a new system you know like like them being out or new england being out on cam so early i was kind of kind of surprised and kind of shocked you know but obviously that's not really belichick style with mac jones but Jameis. I like Jameis now, you know, as much as I hated on him in the first five years of his career, obviously being a, a Buccaneer, but getting that surgery, you know, learning from Breeze and then being coached by one of the better offensive minded coaches, you know, you can see Jameis's talent and you see his toughness and, you know, it's just learning and meshing with the team is what's going to get him far. And I really hate how people these days don't have that time. They don't have the willingness to wait a year and come back the next year. They always want the next best thing. You know, like when people were saying, oh, let's go outside Russ or Aaron Rodgers looks like he's free on the market now. It's like, why? Why? You know, this guy has spent a year in our system, you know, and he just learned from one of the best quarterbacks of all time. He's not the gro- He's not the GOAT. He's not Brady. He's not going to come in his first year and win a Super Bowl, but you don't expect anyone to do that. I, I so, think I was going to say, I can't remember where I heard this from. It might have been Joel Klatt, who does like college football for Fox, where I think he was the one who was saying for a new quarterback to enter a new system and to learn, yeah, like to actually learn the playbook, the entire mm-hmm. playbook, to actually have a like a grasp on everything. Because, you know, for some guys, you just can't do some stuff with, right? I, he was saying like it takes like a whole year, maybe like maybe years. 18, like a, 18 months, like a year to 18 months for maybe a guy to actually like really even longer, I'm sure, for some of these playbooks to like really actually feel comfortable with the terminology, with mm-hmm. what play is supposed to be run here, where a check down, like all this sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. And, and the fact that Winston got a whole year behind Breeze with Sean Payne, and I don't know if it's one of the more, it's, I think it's one of the more complex offenses in the league is the saints with all the stuff that they do and all the plays that they have. I'm, I'm, you know, as someone who appreciates like taking time and effort to make something great, that's gone really well so far in new Orleans. And I don't Mm -hmm. think you can argue otherwise. No. And, and it was funny too. I listened to the saints podcast and it's like, uh, before the buy, someone said, you know, 
if someone told you that the Saints were three and two heading into the bye, looking at their first five weeks, you know, going up against Green Bay, going up against Carolina, going up against New England, going up against the Giants, and then going up against Washington, you're like, okay, Green Bay loss, Carolina win, New England loss, Giants win, Washington win. And the fact that the two better teams were the teams that they won to, it kind of showed something, you know, better coaching. And then, you know, the next two weeks, you know, you, you, the second week against Carolina, throwing that one out. Ten starters injured. Done, you know. So, yeah, I, I like where, where this team's headed. And if it's not this year, I really hope to see Winston come back next year. Yeah, and I again, he just does, like, it's such a, I think it's such a, a different, a, a, a positive change of scenery, I guess is what I'm trying to say, from Bruce Arians and his offense and how he wanted it, where, you know, it just seemed to be like a lot of chunk plays, a lot of, you know, Deep no passes. risk and no, yeah, no risk and no biscuit type thing. Never really had a running game in Tampa Bay. I, I, I feel like they just never really had something that they could, you know, relieve, you know, Winston from pressure wise. Where in, with the Saints, it's like, they, they have better coaching for that. I mean, I, I don't know about better. Like, they have smarter coaching in that regard. Where I yeah, think, I feel like it's more diverse. More diverse, a better running game, a better O-line, and it's just work. It just works. It, it just makes sense. Mm-hmm. So. No, I agree. All I right. <laughs> all right. Well, so that's our Monday night football thoughts. Um, you're, you're welcome for that. Uh, let's move it over to the AFC because I don't know what's going on in this conference. I don't know if you know what's going on in this conference. So let me ask you, Hayden, who's good in the AFC? Fuck, man. You know, you, you want to say Kansas City, but what has Kansas City shown to you that they're still good? You know, Mahomes finally looks real. Their defense isn't good you look at buffalo you're like wow they're the hottest team and then they go off and lose to tennessee and uh and pittsburgh and it's like i definitely had those two written down as the wins you know it was the kansas city game that i thought would be a challenge for them and then you look at tennessee and it's like god damn they lost to the jets but yet they beat kansas city and buffalo so and it's like i thought those were the two powerhouses so and then the Chargers, man. How can you come out and score 49 points in a week and then lose to Baltimore? And then Baltimore, how do you come out and score uh, or do that huge comeback against Indianapolis and then lose to Cincinnati? And then Cincinnati. Why is Cincinnati, like, in the top 10 ESPN power rankings right now? It's just, Why are it's, they good? Yeah, exactly. Like, everyone said, don't take a fucking receiver, and you took a receiver, and it's working out. You know? He, I, he, 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 like, he's outperforming, like, Randy Moss rookie numbers or something like ridiculous. Yeah, he's like, on pace to beat Justin Jefferson's 16 game pace. Yeah. Like that's insane. That's absolutely insane. And and we thought Justin Jefferson was like a a one year every 10 years sort of deal and now it's like holy shit. This is insane. It's it's like Joey B and Jamar Chase are playing college ball in the pros. So yeah, I don't I I don't really know who's good. I still want to say it, this is Buffalo's division to lose, you know, although they had two heartbreak loss losses. Uh, I don't think the chiefs are as dominant without a, a good defense and Tennessee, you know, it's, it, it's weird because I didn't feel like AJ Brown was a big part of their offense earlier in the year, but now it's shown if Derrick Henry doesn't score by running, you know, he can pass it. And then AJ Brown can take over in the the second half. If you told me by the end of October that our the top two seeds in the AFC would be the Bengals and the Raiders, I probably would have like laughed in your face and like you're an idiot. What the hell are you talking about? Because yeah. you, you don't understand. What, what kind of uh, what kind of five hundred to one odds are you giving here? Like. <laughs> Like, here's the thing. I think Tennessee, Buffalo, Baltimore, 
I'm going to say the Chiefs are good too. I'm going to say like the the teams we thought would be good at the beginning of the season, I, I think are still good. I I just really can't buy into the Raiders or the Bengals yet. Nope. Even though the Raiders have won what twice since they fired Gruden. Yeah, back to back wins. I mean, it was against the Bears, you know, and I don't and Justin Fields, you know, and I don't think uh, they beat, the Bears they beat, are really a good team. They beat the Eagles this week, and the Eagles are not good. And the Eagles, right? Like the Eagles really aren't that good, and they still almost, you know, kind of lost, uh, almost lost. Sorry, they still almost, you know, uh, had them come through the back door, but. I, I like their defense. I like the Raiders' defense. Max Crosby, breakout, right? And Derek Carr, it was statistic last year, but he's one of the best deep ball throwers in the league. Yeah. So, and Henry Ruggs, breakout season this year. You know, he's that uh, down-the-field threat type guy where he gets open on one route and see you later. So – Let's go through the most valuable players. I want you to name me who you think are like your top five most valuable players in the AFC. In the AFC. Okay. Well, first one, Derek Henry. Okay. (laughs) Like, I don't want to just say it's a coach because, or not a coach. I don't want to say it's a quarterback because that seems very, very standard, you know? Very obvious. Yeah, and obvious. Yeah, Derrick Henry, he has what was the stat? Like he has more uh was last week he had more yards after contact rushing than Nick Chubb does all year. Yards after contact. That means he still had 200 yards where he's not getting contacted, which Wait, is just he, ridiculous. He's still mauling dudes after he yeah. gets hit. Yeah, like it's like that that's insane. So I think I put Derrick Henry easily at number 1. Okay. Um, and then I think, I think for me, it goes Josh Allen. All right. Lamar Jackson. Okay. Because he's having, you know, some stellar performances, even when they are duds. Uh, and then Joe Burrow, because I feel like everyone doubted him, you know, in the season and, if Justin Herbert didn't lose as bad to Baltimore, I he could have been higher, but I think it has to go between like Justin Herbert and like who else could you really put on this list right now? Because Derek, Derek Carr, I think, has to be getting some consideration. Yeah, you know, even for going through with all the battles with Gruden, yeah, Derek Carr, Derek Carr probably earns number five it's- for me. It's amazing with Baltimore how they can go from one week just at all, both games at home, but for, you know, one week just, you know, locking down Herbert and the Chargers, not a problem, easy, we got you. And then the next week they got a 40-burger put on them by the Bengals, which doesn't make sense whatsoever. No, it it doesn't. It doesn't make sense at all, and I don't like it. (laughs) I don't like it because as soon – it's like – it's like with Bruce Arians and running backs, you know, as soon as you feel like it's Leonard Fournette, no, it's Ronald Jones. And as soon as it's Ronald Jones, it's well, what last year was LaShawn McCoy. But now it's like this year, it's like, oh, it's Giovanni Bernard who's getting I, everything. And it's like, what the fuck? I have considered picking up Bernard in fantasy just for that uh, in, in one of my fantasy leagues for that purpose. If it's full point PPR, I highly suggest it. So <laughs> I think knows? my... I think my most valuable players in the conference, uh, Giovanni Bernard did not make it, by the way. Uh, my most valuable players in the conference, I think it's Mahomes still at number one. I really? Think- You're going to put Mahomes still yeah, at number because, one? Yeah, you know, like, if the Chiefs didn't have Mahomes, they'd be with the Jets. Like, this team would be really bad if they didn't have Mahomes. Like, listen, he has not been good. Like, he's 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 human. Like, he's, fi- like, he's finally learned how to throw interceptions. It's like... It's now like a good version of what Kaepernick was when Kaepernick was with the 49ers, like throwing across his body, throwing ill-advised passes, his feet aren't set. That's kind of what this reminds me of. But he's still a really good quarterback. I think he's trying too hard 
Probably. That's, that's my opinion, right? Like on some of the throws he makes, he's just trying to be a little bit too Mahomes. And it, it just doesn't work. You know, people are going to figure it out. As soon as you don't look away from your actual receiver, people are like, oh, that guy's open. I'm going to go cover him. <laughs> Do you think that um, he he feel he's got a bit of like an ego stroke uh, from the Super Bowl when we were all like set, like showing the videos and the photos of him like perpendicular throwing. diving throwing yeah probably and he's like fuck if I can you know people like that I can do anything or right, some people were saying this is like the Tom Brady effect where Brady's like broken down so many dynasties like the Rams dynasty uh, the Seahawks dynasty that was supposed to happen. Now the Chiefs, and it's just like maybe is this is the Tom Brady effect. There, there's no, there's no Madden curse. It's a Brady curse. Or, oh, I mean, I have to think it's still a Madden curse just because of certain running backs. You know, not even facing Brady, but yeah, it it could it could be Brady and Madden, right? Because look at Brady, right? Well, actually, no. No, because no, he lost I know. no. There's no, there's, there's no, cur- there's no curse that impacts Tom Brady. Tom Brady, like, like okay. Nothing. Disregarding Tom Brady, Mahomes, it took two covers yeah. to finally catch up with him. It took two. So, so I think Mahomes is still my most valuable player though in the AFC, and then All I right. think it, and then I think it's Henry, and then okay. I think it, and then I think it's Lamar, and then probably Josh Allen, and then Burrow. Okay. I I like the quarterback play in this conference is actually really good. It is. Like it's it's, it's, it's really good. And, and like not even talking about like Mac Jones, who has like had a, a pretty good season so far, especially you know, this past week where he just got a freebie against the Jets. Carson Wentz <laughs> actually like is putting up some decent numbers, you know. Now now that he's I guess somewhat healthy. Um, and he doesn't need the vaccine, so he can just, you know, basically just do anything he wants. He can just, uh, yeah, I can't believe he, uh, he's anti-vax. No, I can. There's like a bunch of those guys. It's like the white male entitled quarterbacks, the Kirk Cousins of the world, the, uh, Carson Wentz of the world, all those mm-hmm. guys, anti-vax. That's, uh, that's really surprising actually. So now that I, uh, I I didn't know most of them were actually well I know Kirk Cousins was that's pretty obvious sorry there my video kind of cut out but yeah when when my brother in law told me Josh Allen was anti vax I was like damn it it's so hard to like you right now <laughs> yeah but you know Josh Allen will actually like put up good numbers in fantasy so it's totally worth it it's totally fine that's true that's um, very true uh, Christian McCaffrey apparently also by the way. Uh, anti-vax didn't he go to stanford he did (laughs) he did but no he's uh he's too good uh for the vaccine um i think that by the way we're really getting off topic but one of my favorite stories is like lamar jackson being anti-vax even though he's got covid twice yeah i know that's that's man Oh, somehow this conversation is about to turn political, and you know what? <laughs> we haven't had enough to drink to really have that conversation. No, yet. not at all. Uh, who's your pick in the AFC to make the Super Bowl right now after Week Seven? Who do you think is your uh, is your pick to make the uh, to make the Super Bowl? Fuck. You have to take one of these teams in the AFC. Uh, like the Bengals and the Raiders, I'm still not sold. Um. And I had already kind of predicted Buffalo was still going to make the Super Bowl, and I still think they're going to make the Super Bowl. Not disrespecting Tennessee, but I don't know how you can lose to the Jets and go to overtime with the Seahawks. It's either you beat them or you lose to them. You don't go to overtime with them. And Mike Vrabel's willing to cut off his dick for a Super Bowl, so uh, give me the anti-vax bills with Cole Beasley. And uh, Josh Allen. Fair enough. Um, you know, I've kind of been. I'm just. I just pull it up now on FanDuel, FanDuel Sportsbook, not sponsoring this podcast, but they should. Um, they really should. They really should. FanDuel, uh, their top three uh, by odds to win the AFC go the Bills, the Ravens, 
And the Chiefs. They still have the Chiefs, like, top three to win the AFC. That's crazy, considering that they're three and four. They're, worse, they're, they're behind the Pats and in the Colts. Yeah. No. <laughs> they're three and four, man. Like, when is the last time – or actually, the last time they were under 500 was, like, six years ago. And now they've been under yeah. 500 three times this year. Not like, great. Okay. That is shocking. I, I'm going to say that the Ravens are my pick to make the Super Bowl because – Still I a just, great pick. I, ju- I just like like how they played against Kansas City in that primetime game and that Sunday night game was yep. really good. How they locked down the Chargers I thought was really good. I think I trust their coaching staff, the collection of players, more than any other between Harbaugh, um, uh, Greg Roman, who is their OC – uh marty morton i believe morton wing you know the defense whatever the, def- yeah. the, the defensive guy who's like always like looks like he's wearing a visor he's got long hair and he's like holding up the <laughs> whiteboard and he's got a sweat a black raven sweater vest you know the guy every time every time yeah every the same fit every game like doesn't divulge from anything he's clearly just way too keen on uh oh what's the word um like when you don't wash your jersey after a game. Oh, like, like a never, super, uh... superstitious. Yeah, superstitious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, 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 go, he goes home like after the game or whatever. He like, goes to his wife's like, hey, I need this washed and done before we play again. And it's just, like, this has to be ready. Yeah. Pretty much. A certain right. way too. Certain wash setting. Tide, delicate setting, cold water, the whole nine yards, literally and figuratively. Oh, yeah. All right, we're going to move it over. Uh, we're going to preview the Thursday night game between the Arizona Cardinals and the Green Bay Packers. One of the best uh, on-paper primetime games, I think, this year. We didn't realize it at the start of the year, but now it's looking like a really solid game. Cardinals are 7-0. and Packers are 6-1. and Really good teams going at it on Thursday night. Do you think the There's winner- a little bit of a little bit of mix up now with that game. Now I don't know if you've seen it. Speaking of COVID, I'm speaking of the two. What, what I think the two top receivers for Green Bay, they're both out. Well, who's Devontae the Adams? Best, who's the who's the second best receiver for the Alan Lazard? <laughs> Alan Lazard. I feel like he's the the second best receiver. That's probably fair. He's a really good blocking receiver. He's a great blocker. Yeah. God, I hate that guy. He torched the Saints last year. In that one it's game. funny. It's funny when he's on the field and it's just like like you know it's like okay. It's probably a run. It's probably a run. It's like when Jimmy Graham was on the Hawks. It's like oh well. Oh, it's a pass down the middle. <laughs> I guess we're throwing the ball, boys. Here we go. Yeah. And then exactly. Graham, and then Graham tries to chip block like the lineman, and he actually just pushes him closer to Russ, and it's just like yeah, somehow, some way, yeah, you get an actual good chip block, but no, you pushed him right into the gap. Way to go, Jimmy. Um, yeah, Alan Lazard. Devontae Adams, and I believe the Packers defensive coordinator, Joe yes. Barry, is yes. not going to be playing either. Nope, he isn't. He's not going to be on the sidelines. So, in true wrestling fashion, uh, is the winner of this game the true number one contender in the NFC? Are, uh, you, are, you, being bi- are you being biased with this pick, or are you... Uh... No, no, I'm not being biased. I, I wasn't high on Arizona. They've exceeded expectations, yes. But, excuse me, Earth has to come down to them at some point. I don't think it's going to be this game just because of now Devontae Adams, you know, the best option for Green Bay uh, going down with COVID. But I'm still not high on Arizona. Yeah, they have all the power rankings and all the swag, but, like, just something still doesn't convince me with Cliff. You know, Cliff Kingsbury still doesn't give me that I'm a winning coach mentality. And Green Bay, uh, for as much as or as good as Rodgers is, they're still going to lose in the NFC Championship regardless. So I don't think these two teams will be in the NFC Championship. And if it is, it'll probably be Green Bay because it's their annual thing. So It's routine at this point. Yeah, it is. Like I could see Arizona finishing number one and then somehow still losing the next week. You know, when it's their bye week is off, you know. So 
I didn't know what the car. I, I checked today what the Cardinals' schedule looked like. So after this week, it's uh, all pretty easy considering they finished fourth last year. It's fairly manageable. Like they host the Seahawks, or they they play the Seahawks twice. They host the Seahawks at the end of the year. They play the they they play the Lions in Detroit. They do have a matchup where they host the Rams. They have to go to Chicago for an early game. They do mm-hmm. have to go to Dallas. They host Indy. Um, that's on order. That's just like games I'm naming off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. They also host the Panthers. Like it's a manageable schedule. I don't think they're going undefeated. Like I'm sure they're going to lose probably two, maybe three of those games. But at least, at least. But it, like that's a fairly manageable schedule so long as they don't fuck it up like last year where they were really hot to start the year and then they fell off. Kyler got injured. They weren't quite the same the second half last season. Mm-hmm. Why do you think the Cardinals are thriving, though, being 7-0 and right now this season? I think it's very easy to say. Um, you know, although their first five games weren't the easiest, especially their top mm-hmm. three, you know, going up, uh, going up against the Titans uh, and the Vikings and maybe not so much the Jaguars, but the Rams. Uh, so their first four games aren't cakewalks, but let's not forget, um, the Titans, I don't know what the hell happened that first week, but they're clearly not the same team. Uh, so, and Kyler Murray, yeah, he's, he's good. Uh, I'll say he's good. Uh, they were one kick away from missing the Vikings game, the Jaguars, they were down to them at halftime. Uh, and then the Rams, the Rams just beat Tampa Bay. You don't think that took like every ounce of Sean McVay to finally beat Brady. So I, I think they just kind of got a little bit carried away. The Rams did. And then the 49ers, you know, they were only a touchdown off from, uh, from losing to them. Uh, the Browns, Kareem Hunt and uh, Nick Chubb. I know Kareem Hunt went down later, but. Nick Chubb wasn't in for that game. And I think Nick Chubb's obviously the better running back. And then the Texans, you know, and for some reason, the Texans were up five, nothing on Sunday. So <laughs> it just like we all predicted that the Texans would leave oh, five, nothing at. Some yeah. Point. You know, Davis Mills call him the uh, rookie of the year right now, considering Tyrod, but uh, they've had a very favorable schedule because they were last last year, you know, they're versing all the last place teams. And all the last place teams fucking suck. And so when you verse all the last place teams and you play good against them, and then you come out and you beat teams that people don't really think you should be beating, it's just going to add fuel to the fire. But then there's going to be that one game. You know, there's going to be that one game that brings them down to reality, and then the next team will beat them. You know, it's... uh... I'm still not in on the Cardinals. I don't know why I'm not in on the Cardinals. Other than Cliff Kingsbury, you know, I just, I don't know. Something think, has to happen. The, uh, I was going to say, do you think they lose? They may, maybe they win on Thursday, but then they lose their next game to the 49ers. So you, you mentioned before you had a 49ers hot take that you wanted to say, you wanted to mention on here. 49ers aren't good. <laughs> the best ability is availability. Kyle Shanahan uh isn't a great coach okay if seeing this now and seeing how the team is they aren't good he might you know? shanahan might just be the world's greatest offensive coordinator and he that's fine yeah like he was super good for the browns and he was super good for the falcons and and, but, and, he, and, and he you know he clearly he clearly can run an offense oh 100 i clearly there's not a problem with that he can get anyone that runs a 4-4-40 and then just say, here, come play running back for me this this game. I need you. So I'm with you with that. I, I Again, it's the Cardinals. I've seen the Cardinals good or like really elite twice in my life with the, the time they went to the Super Bowl and then the time they went to the NFC Championship and got the shit blown out in fucking Charlotte by the Panthers. Mm-hmm. I just don't think this team – I think this team is really good. 
I just don't think it's going to be happening this year. I think defense wins championships. I think their offense is really good. I just don't think they have it all to put, you know, put it together on defense. And that's not to like disrespect like Buda Baker, who I think is a really good safety. Isaiah Simmons is, you know, finally like third year, second year into the league, finally getting his shit together and they know how, how to use him. And then not even, you know, not even mentioning like JJ water Chandler Jones, who I think have like had some, you know, well, Good Chandler game. Jones, five sack game yeah. coming out game one. Yeah. Uh, and I completely agree. And, you know, I know they have flyers on that defense, you know, but uh, I don't know, man. Like depth, you know, if Buda Baker goes down, who are they putting at free safety? Right. And, you know, if Jordan Hicks goes down, then you have Isaiah Simmons leading that uh, middle linebacking group with the rookie. I forget who the rookie is, but, uh, the one oh, that they just drafted uh, this year. David Collins? Is it? I can't remember. Regardless. The guy from Tulsa. Then... You're catching me at a bad time right now. No, I got I I too much Arizona knowledge, but. I got like, it here. David Col- I nailed it. David Collins, linebacker from Tulsa. There you go. Yeah, you're fucking on the ball, man. But, like, corner. I, I don't know how they're playing so good at corner. Like, yeah, I know. They had, uh, they had, you know, Malcolm Butler, you know, Patriots legend, <laughs> who retired this season. And that's what I thought their best corner was. And they're locking down receivers left, right, and center. And now they don't have Devontae Adams to go up against on Thursday. So it's going to be kind of shocking, you know, but I, I don't know. Something I, happened. I'm- I was gonna say I'm I'm not familiar with the name Malcolm Butler. I I don't know who that is. But um yeah, no, like you look at the guys like Byron Murphy. Like I know him as like a former UW corner who's like he's been in the league for a few years. It's like, hey, he's he's okay, he's not great, but now he's finally taking off with the Cardinals. And Robert Alford was like this guy who I thought was just like, you know, had a good cup of coffee with the Falcons when they went on their Super Bowl run, but now he's actually useful. And I don't know who Antonio Hamilton or Marco Wilson is. No idea who those guys are. So no idea. I mean, good on the Cardinals for getting to seven and L. I don't know if they beat the uh, if they beat the Packers at home, but we'll see. Um, I also put down a note: Will Troy Aikman take three shot to Hennessy before the game? Like Dude, how? Uh, I'm so fucking done with Troy Aikman and Joe Buck. You know, I, and Troy Aikman literally looks like he's just fucked up before every game. <laughs> like his face think, is. Do you think Troy Aikman like maybe he does like the smelling salts or whatever? Like you see, like hockey players they have the smelling salts. Like ah, I mean, maybe that's what Troy does, and that's what gets him messed up pregame. And then you know, Joe Buck's like, "Hey man, maybe you should you know limit yourself with the smelling salts." So like, nah, it's great. Gets yeah, me motivated. Just... Gets gets me pumped. Just can't wait for the camera to be right back on me. And I know if Jeff listens to this, he's gonna he's gonna hate what I say. But Joe Aikman or Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are actual shitheads. I hate them commentating. The fact that they're doing baseball right now and it's leaving Sundays open. Oh, thank God! Thank God I don't have to listen to them on Sundays. Thursday is fine. I don't watch Thursday night football most of the time. I just kind of tune in and see what's happening. Or I watch it on Amazon Prime and see what uh, I can do the play-by-play with different announcers. So that's fine. <laughs> but holy shit, man! Troy Aikman, I don't, I don't even know what to say. And Joe Buck, you know, Peyton Manning said it perfectly. He's like, I should get a play call in here that doesn't know what the hell's going on. Like Joe Buck, dude, that sent me. When Peyton Manning said that, that sent me over the edge. I laughed my ass off. Oh my god. Get the Manning cast in there on Thursday Night Football. At least they're, you know, swearing on live television, flipping the birds and Marshawn Lynch. Isn't the Manning cast, like, how all football broadcast is going to be in the next 10 years anyways? Oh, God, dude. I Like, the the Pat McAfee's of the world are just going to be calling the games here in, like, the next 10 years. I hope there's a mix of it. You know, I don't wish every game's like that because then there's no Gus Johnson's of the world. Well, but, no, but I, I, I was going to say, like, I really enjoy the Sunday night. Like, I really like listening to Al Michaels and Chris Collingsworth. That might just be me, but I actually, like, really, like, 
like and I like listening to those guys, and I even find Collinsworth insightful some of the time. Now here's a guy who actually likes Chris Collinsworth. Yeah, exactly. Like I actually think he's useful, but it's, but I also think like you know the regular Monday Night Crew is going to get phased out by like the Manning brothers or like I don't know insert other celebrity football player who's going to call games here, and that's and just- you know you know what like I like the new Monday Night Football crew. I like Brian Greasy. I think he's a I think he's a I think he's a great play caller. You know, I, I, I like them over, uh, Aikman and Buck. Can I just say, uh, I saw Lewis Riddick. Like I got down. Like, oh, really? First row. Like you saw right them. Through. I saw them. I think it's tough to tell, but I think I'm actually like, cause Randy Moss was like holding like the Seahawk, like the live mascot. I think you, mm-hmm. I'll have to actually point it out, but I think you can actually see me in the video. And I saw Lewis Riddick. That dude is the nicest dressed man I have ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah. I don't know what, like, where he gets his suits. I don't know where he's getting his clothing. But that dude, that dude is dressed right. Like, that dude is dressed for success. There, I didn't see anybody else with as nice looking clothes as Lewis Riddick. And for that reason alone, he should not be kicked off the Monday Night Broadcast, like, crew. And he dresses so nice. And uh, just, like... Yeah, no, both Lewis Riddick and Brian Greasy, like both of them just talking, it actually sounds eventful, you know, like like the Gus Johnson call. And Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels, both of them, you know, are uh, like, I, I love them too. And Drew Brees, when he gets into NBC, I heard that he's going into Sunday Night Football. He's doing some Notre Dame games. So basically, I yeah, have- that was that was this year, but I heard he's doing uh, calling play by play next year. Ooh. I heard. I know he's on know, like the crew he, for Sunday Night Football. He's but. doing some studio stuff, and then he's calling Notre Dame games on Saturday, so it's like hit and miss, I guess, sometimes. But there's still I, I haven't seen I, one, and I want to. I'm trying to. I'm sure they're still trying to like phase out Al Michaels, who's like the 80 year old, who's mm-hmm. like really out kicking his coverage by calling games in the 2020s. Oh yeah, I mean he's still good at it. Don't get me wrong, but the fact he's gone this far is like surprising. It's yeah, it's astounding. Yeah, I just can't wait for Breeze and Brady to be in booths on Sunday Night Football. Like that is going to be a dynamic duo to grow up with for forty years. Do you think Brady's going to do broadcasting? I don't think he is going to do broadcasting. I hope he does. Like he, uh, I uh, I don't know if you watched it, but on the Manning cast last night, he was hysterical. I, I sent a post to Jeb, and it was just like me slowly liking Tom Brady more and more. And it's because I watched him on the Manning cast and he, he's getting so much more likable. I feel like now because he's off the paths, you know, although he's on the bucks and fuck, like doing whatever, but I feel like he's becoming more likable. His, and he's really improving his brand image over like since he, he got is. on social, like he's really done a great job of improving his brand image, which is helping yes. him become more likable. And maybe that yeah. helps him get like, I'm sure he's Tom Brady. He's, he's going to get on TV regardless of what his image looks like. Like he's eight time mm-hmm. champion, but. Like, no, yeah, hundred percent. And that's why I think he'd be good with breeze, especially, you know, with both of them being, you know, one and two or one and three, however you view the Brady, Manning, and Breeze trio, you know? So. Apparently one of the guys, and I guess he's more interested in coaching. One of the guys that apparently is like, should be a great broadcaster is Phillip Rivers. But. Really? But that's I don't know how I, people are going to get over the accent. I know, but apparently like he should, and he doesn't swear either. So like, no, you know, yeah, it's going to be a bunch gosh, of, darn. yeah, a bunch of gosh darns and, Dan Gummits and all that sort of stuff on the <laughs> broadcast. But apparently, like, I, I've heard, like, from, well, like, a few people, a couple of different places that listen, like, Rivers would be a great broadcaster if he wanted to do it. But he's I coaching see... high school or middle school ball or yeah, something. Yeah, his son's high school or something yeah, like that. He's yeah. got, like, one of his 8, 9, 10, 12 kids, kids that he's got to, you know, look after. It's it's 10 because he can officially have a starting lineup with his kids as him as quarterback. That's what I saw uh, last year. But I, I could see him going on CBS, you know, or more local stations. Like, imagine him calling uh, games for the Chargers. You know, like, that would be super emotional. Somebody has for to For some it. people. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Got no fans in the stadium. 
Yeah, uh, I'm just trying to see here if they actually. Uh... So according to this, uh, they have he has seven daughters. Philip Rivers has seven daughters oh and God. two and two sons. Oh, so it's only nine. So he got nine kids. Maybe it's his wife too. Maybe it's his wife. Yes, it's yeah. him, his wife, and their nine children, and they could run an entire NFL offense together. Which I hope it, it's like <laughs> it's like the, the, the Peyton Manning SNL skit where Rivers is just pegging the balls at his kids, just like oh my god, it's just like come on, work harder. Holy fuck, dude! I love I love that skit on SNL with Peyton Manning. One of the holy best. shit. Uh. Final segment here before we head out. Mailbag. We only have one question, which I think you'll love this question. I won't love it so much, but one. Oh, nice. One question. Uh, Jamal Adams, over or underrated? And I'm going to tell you something. He's not underrated. Man. <laughs> uh, I have to admit, I'll come clean on, uh, on live uh podcast i guess or live recording here yes when he said best in the nation on sunday night football i clowned the absolute shit out of him especially when he missed that that the intersection but after hearing who he did it for yeah his buddy when he grew up in high school with that died man i felt like such an ass but at the same time why why would you tribute someone in a way like that without zero context? Because there were so many people that just clowned the shit out of him without realizing that it was significant to I don't anyone. think he really, I don't think he really cares. I think he was like it, it, he didn't nobody needed context except except him and his group of people like for the people and, that did towards, but yeah, and that's totally fair. I, I could totally understand that. And for that reason alone, if that ever happens, you know, when someone says that before I say anything, I'm going to give it a week, let it marinate, and then I'll make fun of it. Sure. You know, like when, uh, oh, fuck, who is that player that would always say it was like from a different, oh, it was Antonio Brown, you know, like Baller Nation or Baller High School, right? Yeah. Or just, uh the like university yeah stuff like that like he would say something new every sunday night football game that he was with so that is the type of shit that i'll make fun of because that's usually how he plays whereas jamal adams um getting back to the question overrated or underrated yeah i agree with you he's he's not underrated <laughs> and, uh there's <laughs> defensive linemen that have more career interceptions than he does um so so here's the thing i it was funny last night when i was at the game right totally forgot about jamal adams until like until like after halftime and i was thinking like i I was thinking like it it was after halftime where i was just like i don't think jamal's really made an impact in the game like i i I haven't thought about him one bit and then he had like a couple plays right where like he had like a like um not a breakup because the wide receiver didn't catch it, but he had like a couple different plays. The one biggest play I remember is when he came off the edge and uh, forced, I think it was Montgomery, you know, back into the, uh, back into the line and Adams ended up tackling him. And yeah. he's Jamal Adams. He should just start playing linebacker, man. He should just start playing like a weak side linebacker or strong side linebacker. He, he not just, the middle. Cause he's not big enough, but somewhere where he, where he can blitz and actually be you know show his talent through that because he should, he should just be a three four edge rusher is really what he should be uh, yeah honestly he's quick around the edge you know people aren't going to really find a match for him and he's strong you know it's well, clear and obvious that he can't go into coverage because he gets burned by anyone well, well no the fact the, the great thing is like so seattle like uses him in coverage like on first and second downs and then they have a blitz on third downs as if like like very diverse well it's like as if the saints aren't expecting like seattle to bring the house or aren't expecting added pressure on third down like because who would why would any like yeah no exactly it's the same with same thing with the saints third and long oh i wonder if they're gonna bring pressure (laughs) oh there's eight men in the box (laughs) 
<laughs> and it's five wide. I wonder if they're going cover zero. <laughs> I better I better check out of this run play just to be sure because I would hate to yeah. I would hate to see DJ Dallas get blown up in the backfield right now. Um that's the one question. Listen, I don't think he's overrated. I think he's a good safety. I think he's a good safety. In hindsight, maybe it's a little bit too much to be trading two first-round picks for him and to give him the contract. But once you make that trade, you're giving him the contract. Kind of obligated to. Yeah. yeah. So, and I do. I actually do think Seattle's like got good defensive pieces. Like I like Jamal Adams. I like Quandre Diggs. I even like their pass run. Like Rasheem Green, Puna Ford. Carlos Dunlap. Carlos Dunlap. I like those guys. I like Wagner. I don't know how Wilson. Long. Wilson's pretty good too. That guy who, uh, right? His last name's Wilson, number Wilson. 58. The guy who got his neck crunched on Sunday Night Football. Oh, um, um, no, um, Daryl Taylor. Taylor, my bad. Taylor, I, I liked him. Jordan Brooks, like the yeah, first Brooks round. is a Brooks is a great run stopper. Um, I like I like their pieces. It's just a matter of putting it all together, and I don't know if Ken Norton's that guy or will be that guy next year. But that's another question for another time. Um, Hayden, any final thoughts, hot takes, things you want to get off your chest here before we head out? Oh man, um, Do you have any big okay, big big picks or bets that you're making? Actually, I want to say something. Trade yeah. deadlines up. On the 2nd of November, Tuesday, so a week from today. All right. Who do you want to see Seattle trade for? Oh, Seattle trade for. I'll give you a minute to think about this, but I I want to give you my thing on who I think the Saints or the Saints should trade for. Who do who do you think the Saints should trade for? It's clear that wide receiver is the biggest position of need right now. And I think that was I don't think that was the biggest thing going into the draft, considering that they thought Michael Thomas would be okay. But seeing as how it is now, you know, Deontay Harris as a return specialist is getting more open than Marquez Callaway, an undrafted free agent, is getting more open than Traquan Smith, a third rounder, you know. So I think the Saints are going to trade for either Allen Robinson – or okay. it's going to be a sweet homecoming for Brandon Cooks. Oh, that would be cool. I think those are the top two targets for New Orleans. They created cap space. And I think uh, regardless, one way or another, uh, Andres Pete is gone. Yeah, you're, you're probably not going to get him for this year again, or at least not the regular season. No, especially with that pec tor- tear. I don't think it's going to be uh, a huge thing with Pete, especially with Throckmorton. Uh, guy is only allowed nine pressures, zero sacks in his uh, playing because he comes in and substitutes for um, like Ruiz or our tackles when they get injured. He's a he's a great lineman all around. So I Can think I- giving up Pete and a pick for someone will be good enough. Can I just say Throckmorton that's definitely first team all pro name of the NFL. Is that not? Like <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's a sick name. And I'm pretty. We dumb. also have a, uh, another guard. His name is Will Clapp. Now, oh. you want to talk about fucking names? All right. Will Clapp, your cheeks. All right. Now, that... <laughs> dude, I, I watch a YouTuber and. He uh, plays Madden all the time. He saw that name, Will Clapp, and he's like, yo, this is fucking hilarious. He has a jersey of him, and he's played Madden with him. It's hilarious. So I think we have depth at O-line, and we can afford to give up a, a four, three or four-time pro bowler at guard who you know, isn't, isn't the best but is serviceable for a pick and a receiver. Um, I think for the Seahawks, I don't think this is going to happen because it would take way too much money tra- transferring and figuring out Xavier and Howard to figure out a corner slot. Maybe that would be a really. Thing. I I because basically they got rid of Trey Flowers. Yeah, and then no more uh, uh, Griffin. No more Griffin at the start of this year. 
Yeah, he went to uh, Jacksonville, went back to Florida. I don't know. I think it's uh, it's it's got to be something with offensive linemen, or I don't know, maybe running back. You you try and find a running back, trade for one of Baltimore's running backs. But Howard, I just think as a like Howard, I think as a corner, you just get another cornerback in there. Um, help solidify that defense a little bit more, even though I don't think defense was defense isn't really the problem with this team. Like I think pieces wise, it's just a matter of scheming it and figuring it out. Um, and maybe that comes back to bite me in the ass, like in future episodes, (laughs) but I I'll say Xavier Howard, get another cornerback, you know, another solid piece on defense. That's my, that's my answer. There you go. All right. A corner. A corner. Is there anyone else that you would go through, or just are you really focusing on Howard? No, I. Howard was like one name who I saw on uh, on a list here. Uh, I'll, I can go through. I honestly, the trade, the NFL trade deadline doesn't mean as much to me because I don't think it's as impactful as say other deadlines like the NHL or the NBA or. Yeah, I will admit past NFL deadlines have kind of been lackluster, kind of ever since, uh, you know, the Jimmy Graham trade that happened uh, in the offseason, though. So that really wasn't the deadline. But No, I was going to say that was um, <laughs> that was more of an offseason thing. I think, okay, I think we talked about this the last time that you were on, though, but, like, I actually didn't mind Jimmy Graham. I just, they didn't use him. They didn't figure out how to use him until his last year. And then yep. it's just like, fuck it. Here you go, Jimmy. Go get it. Go get it, bud. <laughs> um, but hey, Jimmy Graham got to go to uh, Russ and Sierra's wedding. So who's the real winner out of all of this? I don't know. Jimmy Graham is called Uncle Jimmy by Drew Brees' kids. So he also is a pilot and has flown them. I don't know if Russell Wilson's been on his on his uh plane yet. So he, no, I was going to say, you you think like, you know, Jimmy was like, hey, man, like, you know, think about going to Alaska in July. Like, if you're interested, like, you know, I'll fly you up there. And then Russ is just like, that's cool, man. But I got to warm up uh, for my warm up. I got to practice for my practice at UCLA. <laughs> Would love to go, but can't. Sorry. Have fun, <laughs> bud. Oh, fuck, man. <laughs> All right. We're running long here. Uh, thank you to Hayden for taking the time to do this. Great to have you on. Yeah, man. Um, we'll find another time when Seattle and New Orleans is playing together to go down and watch it. Ah, uh, fuck, man. One day, one day, one day, and uh, yeah, uh, that's the podcast this week. By the way, uh, we got another special episode coming out this week uh, with our uh, other friend Brandon Goff is coming on this week. Oh, Goff's coming on. Brando is coming on to talk lax this week. Oh man, we're, how we're... desperate are you getting? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> This is actually my idea, so pretty desperate, not going to lie. <laughs> I don't even like, – okay, I know in Canada, lacrosse is, like, the national sport. Still yeah. don't understand how. When does it start up? Does it start up, like, right uh, so, now? So, no, so pretty much uh, where we're going to be previewing the NLL, which is, like, what the Warriors are in. And then okay. th- that starts about December 4th. So pretty much we're kind of getting, like, oh, early okay. preview, and we might – we might do a two-parter, but I think it'll be pretty easy to do like a one-parter. And then, you know, we're trying to get him some like Warriors creds so he can just go watch the games up in the suites. Maybe do like an article or a podcast appearance every so often. Well, damn, there you go. So, you know, just trying to help some friends out, man. Just trying to, you know, help the boys out. That's uh, awesome. But yeah, don't tell them we're desperate. No. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Be sure, again, check out the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. Uh, It's greatly appreciated. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening and watching. We'll be back again soon. Peace out.